So yeah, this will be the third part. I uh, really love doing this. I really have a heart for leadership and growing leaders and helping people become better. I really have a part for a heart for helping people learn how to work together, um, just as a leadership team and, and knowing how to just be together and be in unity. So this has been really cool for me. Um, when we did Joseph, we talked about a lot of different things, but one of the main things about Joseph is that Joseph's a great example of how anybody can be a leader. Joseph had one particular gift that shouldn't really have amounted to anything, and that was dream interpretation. But because he knew that he had a sphere of influence, because he was ready to just serve no matter where he was at, he became like Pharaoh uh, and ruled Egypt in every, every way imaginable outside of having the title of Pharaoh. Um, I think that's amazing. Uh, last week, we talked a lot about David and David leading from a place of responsibility, knowing what leadership costs, paying the price to be responsible no matter what happens, no matter what's going on. Um, we talked about this with Moses, but or not with Moses. We talked about this with Joseph, but we really talked about it with David. Um, a team, an organization, a country is not made by its weakest link. You're never as strong as your weakest link. You're only as strong as your strongest leader. And so doing everything that you can to embrace the call of leadership that you have over your life, especially since we're Christians, is a big deal. Because because of one, one righteous person, God saves thousands. Right? That's the prayer that Abraham had. And as long as you remain that righteous person, embracing that call of leadership, you will have the ability to make or break whatever organization, job, church, whatever you're called to. Now, hopefully, if it's a church type thing, we're all embracing that call. We're all becoming the best that we can be, and therefore, no one is lacking in anything. But in every other area of your life, you're going to encounter weakest links, um, and you'll be able to help them rise above because you'll just be that great of a leader. Tonight, we're going to be talking about leading from a place of intimacy with the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about this. This is something that God's had me come back to over the past couple weeks and um, even before talking about teaching about this. So I'm super excited. Tonight, we're going to be studying Moses as a character, and I'm super stoked. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Uh, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for your word and what your word teaches us about leadership uh, and just about how you want things in general. I just pray that tonight uh, your word would be given. Not my word, not what I think, but, but what you think. Um, I pray that all of my notes and everything that would come out of my mouth would line up with your heart and your desires and your mind. Um, and I just thank you for hungry people and people who want to learn how to better themselves with you, not without you, um, and just be better leaders and be who they're called to be. So we just thank you that we are your special treasure, that we are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, and that you're here and that you're good. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, cool. Um, so I've got two sets of verses that I want to read. Who would like to read for me? Anybody? I got you. All right, I want you to read Exodus 19, verses 1 through 19. Okay. And then, no, did you raise your hand? Yeah. Too? Go to Exodus 20, verses 18 through 21. We're going we're gonna to set a stage before I start to 
break this down and, and talk about why we're why we're talking about this. Thing. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim, uh, had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camps there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded them. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the peoples all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he surely will. He shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that they were that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of trumpets was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to, the, to meet with God, and stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked, quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. All right. Uh, Noah? Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. They said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Alright. So I love Moses. Because this guy just lives with reckless abandon for the Lord. He didn't always. like It takes some time to get to this point. But um, the contrast between him and the people that he's leading is so distinctive God appears before Moses and says if my people will indeed be obedient to my voice and my covenant and my commandments then they'll be alright 
So it's clear here that God wants to let everyone hear his voice. But Israel, after hearing the thunder, seeing the lightning, seeing the smoke, the fire, everything that God was doing, they're completely freaked out. <laughs> they're like, I don't want any part of this. He protected us in Egypt. He brought us out of that. Moses, you go talk to him. I don't want to do this. Um, which is crazy. This, this all-powerful being, this all-powerful God, wants to have a relationship with every individual in the tribe of Israel, of this holy nation. And they're like, you know what? Nah, <laughs> it's all right. I got a, I got a thing over here. You go up the mountain and talk to him for me. I'll, I'll be over here. Um, it's so crazy. Uh, and I think it really just shows like how intimate Moses was and, and how much he knew God's character, which is really like what this is about, what intimacy is about, is like seeing someone for who they truly are. Um, it's funny, Jesus, when he's giving the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 7, he says, not all will come to me, or some will come to me and they will say, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons in your name and prophesied in your name and healed people in your name and you know, the list of things goes on and Jesus says, get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Um, which is crazy because in order to do any of those things, you have to have the Holy Spirit, first of all. And secondly, how is it possible to have the Holy Spirit and Jesus not know you? It's a crazy thought, but I, I think too, like when you look at how God is treated by Israel, you see the same thing. These people that have God's covenant, they have God's commandments, they even have His voice, whether it's through Moses or through Isaiah or Ezekiel or another prophet, Samuel, Nathan, Jeremiah, whomever. Um, God desperately, like, not desperately, God's not desperate, but God, God wants to know them on such an intimate level and they just don't want to know Him back. And so He just doesn't. Um, which is crazy because he's all-knowing. But there's a difference between knowing facts and details about somebody and knowing them on an intimate level. To know them personally. You know? Um, and I think that that's crazy. And when it, comes to, when it comes to leadership, like, this is a big deal. Um, there are many people who, who wish to lead but don't always know how to. And because of this, they miss relationship. They, they follow nothing but rules, or they have relationships with people based solely on meeting needs. And sometimes the relationships that they have, um, sometimes they have relationships vicariously so that they can stay in their comfort zones. You know, Israel wanted to live through Moses and have that relationship with God, but they wanted to stay in their comfort zone. So they had a spokesperson for them. They had somebody leading them and like talking to God for them, but none of them actually stepped out of their comfort zone. They, they had rules to follow, but none of them had a relationship with him the way that Moses did. Um, and if there's one thing that I want to convey to you guys tonight, one thing that I want to inspire is that like rules are great, the, co the commandments of God are perfect and we are commanded to obey them 
But to obey them without intimacy, to obey them without knowing who God is and interacting with Him, will lead you down a path of legalism and regret and burnout. And we don't want that. Um, So, Moses... Moses is the only person outside of Jesus when we see Jesus walking um, the earth to have this intimate relationship with the Lord the way that he does. Um, I, I personally think that Moses' Moses's relationship with the Lord even outranks that of David. And God goes on to say that David like, is a man after his own heart and David's lineage will forever be blessed because Jesus comes from it. But when you look at, and I, and I mean, there's a lot to be said about David, but there, there are certain things about Moses that like, man, when I read about him, my heart just comes alive, man. I just, his boldness, the way that he goes about things. Um, anyway, let's just jump into more scripture. Uh, Exodus 34, 29 through 35. Matt, you want to read that for me? Sure. now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him so when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses behold the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him then Moses called to them and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil back on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Can you imagine spending so much time with God that you come down and your face is just shining? Like there's just a light surrounding it? The only other time that this ever happens to any singular person in the Bible is when Jesus goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration and is uh, transformed there. It's the only other time where somebody shines from being in the presence of God. I love that. I love the fact that he's like so intimate with the Lord that people can tell. They don't even have to like hear him talk. They don't have to like watch the way that he treats others or even look at his actions. They just have to look at him as a person. Like, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, being in the sales business, uh, being in customer service, I almost can always tell when I'm meeting another Christian. Mm-hmm. Always, because there's just something different about them. Um, but my heart is to go even beyond that. My heart is to inspire you guys to go beyond that, because it's really easy to tell, or it's supposed to be easy to tell, who God's chosen people are in the Old Testament because of the way that they do things, because of the way that they look, because of the way that they act, because of the way that they dress, and yet. Moses went beyond that. And I, and I, I think, man, just the, the way that he communed with God. Um, let's do Exodus 33, 7 through 11. And then can somebody read 
Deuteronomy 34, 10 through 12 for me. Anybody want to do that? Do it. I know it's your fave. Faves. Um, does anybody want to do Exodus 33 for me? Go, Corinne. 7 through 11. Thirty-four, ten through twelve. I'm ready. Lay it on me. Okay. And then Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and it called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door, and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto, the, unto Moses face to face, as a man speak, speaketh unto a friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. All right, turn and go. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel, like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land. And in all the, the mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Alright, so a couple things I want you to take away from this. Like, because this just, it challenges me. Moses spoke to God face to face as one speaks to his friend. Especially in the Old Testament, it was said that if you saw God's face, you would die instantly. And yet, Moses is over here hanging out with God face to face like a friend. He was so intimate with God that it didn't matter that you would die from seeing his face. And some people would say, oh, well, it's, it's like talking face to face. No, there are plenty of references throughout the entire story of Moses and who he was as a person where he actually saw God's face. And we'll get into some of those in a little bit. But what I want to challenge you in is that in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see the face of God. The Beatitudes, that's what that's from. That is supposed to be an attitude that we live in. That is supposed to be who we are. And so we are supposed to see God's face. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Back to a teaching that he taught, where I thought it was, every time it says Lord in the Old Testament, it's referring to Jesus. Yeah. So when you talk about him meeting face to face, he wasn't with God, he was with Jesus. Jesus is God, though. Right. But right. at the same time, there was, I guess, in that perspective, what I'm, what I'm thinking is, is that it was easier for him to enter into the present. I mean, and it's hard for you know to try to separate the three. I know you can't yeah. really necessarily separate the three, but at the same time, as he was face to face with Jesus, as opposed to being face to face with God. Well, so to explain that, the verbiage doesn't change. Mm -hmm. It's not, um, because it even says it a couple verses, or a few verses later in um, 33, that 
the Lord that he's still talking to, the Lord that says, if you see my face, you shall surely die, or if you see my glory, you shall surely die, mm-hmm. is still Jesus, the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, it's, that's another thing entirely. But that, that would go, that we would get off subject, I don't want to mm-hmm. get off subject tonight, but I mean, you're right in like, jumping to that, you know, it's a very smart question, very smart. But you have to continue to like read to see that it's still Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's still Jesus that he's talking to. Gotcha. And Jesus is still the one that's like, you can't see my glory because you'll surely die. Mm-hmm. It's still Jesus that covers his face and then walks before him and, and you only see his backside. It's still like mm-hmm. that Lord um, when you read through it. If you want to. Glory of the Lord is God, there, right? When you talk about the glory, of, I mean, I just that's a teaching that I heard once before and, and um, I, I can't remember exactly how it was but the glory of the Lord 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 Jesus but the glory of Jesus is God I'd have to like do research I'm sorry I'm sorry good, good, no no no, no. Good, it's, uh, it's okay they're smart it's, questions I'm, just, I'm trying to think I'm it's, trying to think through this stuff to try to figure out how he was able to be face to face with him and still I mean, either it's, I know he was a righteous man, but right. I mean, I'm not trying to discount that, but just yeah. Um. I have just one quick question about this too. What about the whole thing where uh, God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock and he only saw his back because well, he couldn't see it, yeah. him face to face, or well, he could see him face to face? It was just in that moment. You just gotta, you gotta give me a little while. Okay, we're gonna, that's we're gonna, fine. We're gonna, we're gonna look at some things, okay? <laughs> because even though God has like particular rules. God doesn't always, God is allowed to violate his own rules. He's yeah. God, he's sovereign, <laughs> right? So like, we're going to look at some things. People have often said too that nobody's ever seen Jesus in the Old Testament either, like in the in the physical, but we know that that's not true either because Jesus appears several times in the Old Testament. And there's one uh, section of scripture in Numbers 12 that we're going to read here in a minute that is really important to that because it's not just Moses that sees the face of the Lord. It's also Aaron and Miriam, but we're going to get to that in a few minutes because there's a lot to be said. Again, the whole idea of this is like just being intimate with him. And so the questions that you guys are having right now, they're great questions. They're very smart questions. Like they're, they're challenging questions. But the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes the mystery of God is that like he does what he wants. And I don't know why. I don't know why it says that he... Moses speaks to God face to face, but then later on it says that you can't see my face. I don't know why. I don't know why Abraham was allowed to see his face in, in, in Genesis. And, and yet, for some reason, when we get to Exodus, no one's allowed to see his face except for Moses. And for some reason, Aaron and Miriam, which we'll see in a little bit, a little bit later. Like, it's really weird. He just is God and is allowed to do what he wants. And this is another teaching for another time, but there are different spheres of God's glory in which he lets people see, you know? And so you could very easily chalk it up to say Moses is allowed to see see Jesus in his very much so human form, the same way that the disciples saw Jesus. But when it comes to his heavenly form and what that looks like, maybe that's the reason why, you know? But for the sake of the teaching, let's get back to the matter at hand. Face to face with with God. No, it's good questions. Like, do research. Yeah. I have so yeah. many conclusions and ideas about this stuff, and I don't know what is right and and what is wrong because a lot of this stuff, when it comes to this particular subject, especially about God's glory, one, it's very misunderstood. People make a lot of assumptions based on very little like 
actual very little, um, very few Bible verses actually about God's glory and what it means. And people have made up words uh, that aren't in the Bible about his glory, like the word Shekinah. It has a very interesting origin, none of which is uh, Hebrew or Christian at all. And it's a very interesting word study if you go back far enough. And yet Christians use it today as if it's something that's in the Bible and it's not there at all. And we define it as God's manifest glory in, in, in the room. But again, never in the Bible. So when it comes to this subject about God's glory and things like that, do do your research because there's a lot that goes into it and it's it's very challenging. And again, like I have a lot of conclusions and a lot of ideas about it, but for the f- sake of time and for the sake of this message, we're not going to get into that. Although I I really want to. So I'm trying to hold back <laughs> a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, what was I saying? Uh, God met with the Lord. The other thing that I want you guys to take away from this, especially in Exodus 33, is that this is this is obviously before the um, the tabernacle of God. This is before he builds the, the tent for the Ark of the Covenant. However, this tabernacle of meeting that Moses has, he never he never breaks it down. It is a it is a tent that stays with him. And even after the tabernacle that the ark that they build for the ark exists and the Levites go and they hang out there and they minister to the Lord and they minister to the Ark of the Covenant. Moses still has this tent of meeting outside the camp that he goes and he hangs out with God in. And it's crazy. Um, and people, people understand that like Moses is having God time. Don't mess with him. Uh, and that, that really challenges me that he has this tent of meeting that is his secret place with the Lord that is referenced so many times throughout his story, but nobody understands or really knows what goes on inside of this place. Uh, other than he's just hanging out with Jesus. Um, and I just, I love that. I want to have that kind of secret place. Mm-hmm. I want to be the type of person that is so intimate with the Lord that like when I'm in that secret place, people, people know I'm in that secret place. Like, let Ronnie have his secret place. You know what I mean? Not for the sake of like people leave me alone, but for the sake of like, this is who I am. This is my relationship with him. I don't want to be showy. I don't want to showboat. I don't. I don't want to do it just because like I'm in leadership or it's the, or or anything like that. I want to do it because I I genuinely want to know who God is. Um, let's go to Numbers twelve. Numbers 12 challenges me a lot. And I don't always understand. Um, One thing that you need to know is that Moses did not marry a Hebrew. And in fact, because Moses had not circumcised his son on his way back to Israel or to Egypt in order to set Israel free from Pharaoh. God actually, it's one Bible verse. You blink and you miss it. It's in uh, Exodus 6 maybe? I can't remember. But the Lord actually shows up in order to kill Moses. 
and Zipporah, his wife, actually realizes, oh, there's this weird covenant thing that Hebrews do. I got to circumcise my son. And so she ends up circumcising their son and they're okay after that. And the Lord's like, all right, good job. <laughs> Real weird. One verse. Blink and you miss it. I love verses like that. They're challenging. So here's the thing that you need to realize outside of that. Is it chapter four? <sighs> okay. Thank you, Cam. Um, so having said that, she was an Ethiopian woman. All right. So we're going to get into this. Numbers 12. We're going to read through verse 14. Uh, does anybody want to read for me? Ariel, go for it. Put, sorry, one more time. Numbers 12. 1 through 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, No, no, no. Sorry. The Lord said, No, no, no. Did I get that? And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Wow. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud, and stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, and even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude, similitude, yeah, similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked unto Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. Alright, so a couple different things I want to point out here. Like I said, this chapter challenges the heck out of me a lot. Um, first off, in verse 3 it says that Moses was very humble, more than all the men that were on the face of the earth. A verse like this has never ever stated ever again in the Bible. I can only assume that Jesus was the most humble man that ever walked the earth because, well, he was God at the same time, and I think God is a very humble being. Um, but out of all the people that ever walked on the earth, it says that Moses was the most humble. 
And that is very, very challenging because of how bold he is. And his boldness did not come out of a place of, of boasting about himself or even thinking thinking more or thinking less of himself. He just he just existed with the Lord. And I I love that. I wanna I want to be that humble. Um, this is after the law is given and it is after the, the tabernacle uh, is built for the ark, and yet they are still hanging out in this this tabernacle of meeting, um, which I love. That tells me, one, that the tabernacle that Moses set up specifically for him and the Lord outside of camp was still in place. And even though everyone else, if you if you read through you know, all of the rest of Exodus and Le, um, Leviticus, uh, even though everyone else had to hang out around the camp and worship God in front of the tabernacle of the ark, Moses, for some strange reason, was still allowed to have this camp of meeting with the Lord outside of the camp, away from everybody else. Which is crazy to me. Now, the other thing that I want to point out here, in verse 5, after Miriam and Aaron just come after Moses for marrying an Ethiopian woman, you have to keep in mind that according to the law, you weren't supposed to marry anybody that wasn't a Hebrew. Um, and if they were born, if they were not born a Hebrew, they had to go through the, the right rituals and rites in order to actually become a Hebrew and get circumcised. If you're a man, I don't know if it's any different for a woman. It doesn't specify. But she was Ethiopian. And Miriam is throwing a fit because Moses is supposed to be their leader and he is not following the law. And then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. Now that's pretty cool. I, I would be satisfied with that. If the Lord just all of a sudden, boom, just a cloud in front of me. But I want you to pay attention to what it says next. A pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle. Do clouds stand? Do clouds have feet to stand? God stands at the door of this tabernacle and then called out to Aaron and Miriam and says, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. So at this point in time in Israel's history, no other prophet, every every prophet that there that there is at this point in time, because I think there probably were more prophets than just Moses, because eventually... Um, you know, we, we have like a whole company of prophets later on in, in 1 Samuel, which means I think that there were prophets hanging out together and talking about the Lord and doing cool things like that. Um, I can only assume that it starts pretty early on once God has called everybody and separated them from Egypt. But I digress from that. It says, if there is a prophet among you, I will give them a vision and I will speak to them in a dream. But... Not so with Moses. He is faithful in all my house, and I will speak to him face to face. I will even speak to him plainly and not in dark sayings. So whereas the rest of the prophets, this is something that I really love. The rest of the prophets in the Old Testament 
not not the rest of them. The majority of them, especially those that actually have books that they've written, they speak in metaphors, they speak in sayings, they speak in parables. Not so with Moses. With Moses, God is like, hey, this is the thing. We're going to do this thing now. I trust you. You're my friend. I love you. Let's go do this thing. With everybody else, with the majority of the other prophets in the Old Testament, God's like, here's a parable. Go give this to the people of Israel. And the people of Israel are like, that went over my head. Can you repeat that? Like, can you explain that to me? And then there's an explanation of what the parable means, right? Um, we see that pattern throughout a, a majority of a lot of the prophetic books. But with Moses, it's different. With Moses, there's something more. With Moses, he trusts him so much that he speaks plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Moses sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And then the Lord, the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, because look, it says that there was a cloud, right? But then it clarifies this later on in verse 10. The cloud wasn't just in front of the door, it was above the tabernacle. And then someone stood at the door. It's crazy what you see when you keep reading. I didn't even see that earlier, but we're just going to keep reading. Suddenly, Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. And then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. Back then, you died from leprosy. You had to go hang out outside of the camp at all times. God was so intimate. And Moses was so intimate with, with God that God was like, Look, your own sister spoke against you. For doing something that, you, according to the law, you shouldn't have done. But this was before the law was given, so you know what? I've got your back. She's got to get out of here. <laughs> and later on, Moses and Aaron are like, well, this is our sister. Please don't do this. And he heals her, <laughs> right? And sends her back in. The thing that I want to point out to you is that, like, the Lord defended Moses, even though he hadn't kept the law up to that point. Intimacy always triumphs the rules and regulations that you read in the Bible. And I'm not saying that to forgo the rules and regulations. Please hear my heart on this. When, Jer when, when Israel uh, conquered Jericho, he, God does this again. He forgets about his rules and his regulations, and he does what he wants. On the seventh day, on the Sabbath, Israel had to break the Sabbath in order to win against Jericho. And God God did everything. All Israel had to do was walk. And they, they broke some of the rules about keeping the Sabbath, but then God won out in the end. And God did it himself. But they had to be obedient. Alright? But breaking the Sabbath was one of the one of the laws that you just didn't do. Like you just you don't just break the Sabbath. Like it was it was known throughout the culture and yet for some reason God had them break the Sabbath. And it was, it, was, it was great. And it was amazing. And I encourage you, do your own research. Don't take my word for it. Find that out. Chuck Missler taught me that. And I had to go do my own research. And I was like, dang, Chuck, what the heck? This is crazy. This is amazing. Why did God break his own rules? I don't know. I don't get it. My point is intimacy always triumphs over judgment. and Not over judgment. 
That's mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Intimacy always triumphs over rules and, and regulations because intimacy puts them in the right light. If you don't have intimacy before the rules and the regulations, then all you have is legalism. And we go right back to the old covenant in the way in which the Hebrews lived without relationship. And the whole point of this is to inspire you guys to relationship. Alright? So that's the first thing to talk about this passage. The second thing is Moses was married before the law was given. So he didn't have any idea that he shouldn't or that he wasn't supposed to marry an Ethiopian. But God did that for a reason. Alright? I'm not quite sure what yet, so that's my disclaimer. I don't know why God let him marry an Ethiopian. But the other thing that you have to remember too is that Zephorah and her father Jethro, for some strange reason, even though they weren't Hebrews, worshipped the Hebrew God. And that's a big deal. So there's that. I don't really have anything else to say about that other than this passage challenges me. So do your own research on it because I'm going to move on to something else that I think is even better. Well, I don't necessarily think that it's better because it's all scripture, but it's, it's just another thing that just really challenges me. Um, if you go to Deuteronomy 34, Savannah might still be there. It's such a short chapter. It's only, it's only 12 verses long. But uh, in verse 5, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he, capital H here, we're talking about the Lord, buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, besides Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. I want to know... Why out of all of God's servants, all of them, David, Isaiah, Solomon, all the ones that we, we give credit to, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, out of every single one of them, God's like, you know what? Moses is the guy I'm going to bury. I can't let anybody else touch him. And for some reason, people have speculations about like where a Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are. And I'm sure people probably have speculations about where Moses might be buried too, but there aren't as many. Moses' gravesite is just a mystery to this day. Being that intimate with the Lord to where he's the one that says, I gotta bury you, at the end. God even takes care of him at the end. I... I love that. Like my heart, my heart beats for that. I I want to. Uh, I want to go deeper, and I I want to encourage you guys to go deeper. You know, um, especially as we're growing and as we're as we're doing these con conjoined Bible studies on Wednesdays. It's a it's another great chance to go deeper, and to take God's word just plainly as he says it without without you know having a subject wrapped around it because um, sometimes you just learn the word of God better through just reading it just from front 
front front to back. Um, I don't know, man. Like, there's just something about rambling. Okay, so um, <laughs> gosh, I love this. So I'm gonna give you guys six six things that I see in Lo- Moses's life. Um, six key things that I see that are that are super important when it comes to building intimacy with God and and and, and, and creating history with Him. All right, um, and these aren't like if you do these six things, all of a sudden all your wishes will come true and you'll be intimate with God. No, that's not how this works. All right, um, not how this works at all. Uh, because you have to be consistent and you have to be diligent in your relationship with Him. Just like you have to be consistent and diligent in your relationship with anyone you want to have a relationship with. There aren't magically six steps in order to become a better person or have a better relationship with anybody. You just have to be consistent and be diligent. I just want to point out these six things to you to help you figure out how to be consistent and to be diligent and to have faith for the, for the right things. All right. So the first thing is Hebrews eleven six um, says that for without faith it is impossible to please God, and those that have faith must believe that He is, He exists, right, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So the first thing that I want to point out in Moses' life, if we go back to Deut- or Exodus 33, is that Moses diligently sought the Lord and um, everything. Um, does anybody want to read for me? Hmm? I got you. You got it? Yeah. Exodus 33, verses 12 through 17. Okay. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. I already forgot where you want me to stop, so just tell me. 17. 17. Now, <laughs> sorry, y'all. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Then I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that you, your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. All right, so 
<laughs> Moses wanted to make sure that everything that he did and everything that Israel did was marked by the presence of the Lord. Um, before this, if you read this in context, you read the whole story, the Lord uh, was kind of fed up with Israel again <laughs> and said, I'm going to send an angel before you and I'm not going to go with you. I'm just going to send my angel. And Moses is like, no, 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 no. No. I want you, not your angel. I'm after you, not your angel. Your people need to be marked by you, not your angel. All right? Sorry, angel. Um, Ouch. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe. So look, here's the thing. Here's the thing with with Hebrews eleven six in mind, and, and what we just talked about. One thing that I want to I want to point out to you is that in order to have faith, in order to believe that, well, in order to have faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conditions of things not seen. Uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God, because those who believe must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I want to challenge you guys to diligently seek Him. And be ready for a reward. Because he's going to reward you. Intimacy, this life, like a lifestyle of intimacy with the Lord is a lifestyle of reward. If you think about the, the people that you are the most intimate with, how rewarding those relationships are. God is a hundred times better. He always, he always blesses us 30, 60, 100 fold. As far as intimacy with him goes, I'm willing to bet that that 30 and that 60 fold, no. I think he's going to bless you on 100. Mm -hmm. And we seek him because we want to be intimate. Well, some people do. Uh, but the thing of it is, is that no matter why you're seeking him, he's so good that even when you get what you're seeking from him, the intimacy, if... <laughs> If you are faithful, it will remain. I know some people that have gotten saved and have an intimate relationship with the Lord strictly because they were looking to be healed. And then they got healed and they were like, all right, all I was looking for was to be healed. But because you healed me, you got me. I'm all in. Right? Um, so I want to challenge you guys. Whatever, whatever you're seeking for with him, keep going. Keep going. I know a lot of people are say, will say that, like, well, intimacy needs to be the number one thing. Yes, of course, it does. But we also have to remember that, like, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So keep seeking, right? Keep seeking him and let him reward you. Um, the second thing that I think will help you develop intimacy with the Lord is to share everything with him. Um, part of having a heart of worship is being able to lay everything bare before him so that he can see everything. He already knows everything anyway. Why not just let him know what's going on in your head? Why not actually be up front and tell him what's going on? One of the things I love about Moses is that Moses didn't hide his fears, his concerns, his inadequacies behind any kind of religious attitude. And I think that's why he was named, why God called him the most humble. 
but the other thing that you have to remember about Moses is that he also didn't embrace those fears, those concerns, um, those faults. He didn't embrace them to the point of disobedience like so many others did. He had them, but they weren't his identity. If you, if you look at Exodus 3 uh, and so many other parts of Exodus as well, especially when it comes to God using Moses to deal with Pharaoh, Moses is frightened. He's like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know why you picked me. I'm slow to speak. I'm not good with my words, and you want me to be your spokesperson? I don't know, man. This doesn't seem cool to me. And God's still like, nah, it's okay. I'm with you. I got you. Thanks for letting me know that you're scared, though. Watch me work this together for your good. I think, I think part of the reason why we have trouble sometimes being intimate with him and leading from that place of intimacy is because we always feel like we have to have everything right all the time. We have all these religious ideas and attitudes that like we just have to get over and just actually talk to him and just be up front. I mean, that's a part of what worship is, is being up front. If you can't see all of who you are, then are you giving, are you truly giving him all of who you are in worship? I don't think you are. Um, if you want a verse reference for that, you can look at Exodus 3 verses 1 through 14. I'm not going to read that. There's so many places in Exodus where Moses is like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. That like, I want to challenge you guys to go and read that for yourself. Um, let's go back to Numbers. I'll read this one. 16. This is right after um, the incident with Korah and the grumbling and complaining and then the ground opening up and swallowing them whole. Uh, Another just crazy story of God just defending Moses. Um, And it's like one right after the other in this chapter because you've got the whole incident with Korah and then you've got this incident with the people complaining about him again uh, starting in verse 41 so number 16 verse 41 it says on the next day all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron saying you have killed the people of the Lord now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared tight. (laughs) Uh, Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses saying get away from among the congregation that I may consume them in a moment and they fell on their faces so Moses said to Aaron take a censer and put fire in it from the altar put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for wrath had gone out from the Lord and the plague has begun. <laughs> then Aaron. Got <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put it in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague had stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700. Besides those who died in the Korah incident. (laughs) So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. For the plague had stopped. It's a quick plague. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, like I said, Moses' relationship with the Lord really challenges me because I don't. Even with David and his Psalms, you don't see God just jump the gun to kill people. It's bonkers to me. I. I mean, there, there's a there's a purpose behind it because God had to get rid of. Uh, certain types of sin before it spread so that his people could see the promised land. All right? Like, there, there is a plan and a purpose behind it. However, sometimes the way that the Bible is worded when it comes to these exact moments, it, it's, it's... Unless you read the entirety, most of the Bible, in order to understand why he's doing this, you really think... It almost seems like God is offended on behalf of Moses, and he's just like, look, these people can't keep talking negatively about you. And that's that's just crazy to me. It's crazy. And and God doesn't I don't think that God I don't think that God gets offended the same way that we get offended as people, because oftentimes offense is very much so sin. But God takes the things that people say about Moses personally because of how intimate they are. And he doesn't let the grumbling and complaining go on. And he defends him. So, what I would like to get across to you is when it comes to intimacy and developing intimacy with the Lord, don't defend yourself. Own up to what you're doing. Own up, even in the midst of like people. And granted, they're... they're, their complaints were not founded on anything factual at all because it's not like it was Moses' fault that the ground opened up and swallowed Korah and his family whole. It was the Lord did that, you know. Like Moses is not the type of person to uh, proudly defend himself. He's the most humble person in the Bible outside of Jesus. Um, I have something to share if that's okay. Go for quick. it. Yeah. Uh, so there's this, there's this thing that I learned recently uh, studying out the word meek in uh, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And Moses, one of the, you can also translate the word humble, meek, you know, in in the Old Testament. And so, uh, if you get down to, like, the root meaning of that word meek in the Beatitudes, uh, in the original Greek, the idea was one of that uh, owning a sword, knowing how to use it, but willfully choosing not to. Mm. That's what meek means. Yeah. And so it's like, it's like Moses was a dangerous dude. He had the capacity to defend himself, but he chose not to. Yeah. And so because he willfully chose not to defend himself, God took it upon himself to defend Moses. Really, really cool. That's so, so good. So that's, that's like how you reconcile the, the boldness of Moses, but also him being called the most humble man. I love that. That's yeah. so good. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, so the, the weird thing that I was thinking about was that when he did this, he didn't even act on something that God told him. He just sent them out and said, "Go next, go stand, stop, stop right here because he's killing them all. Go stand right here." Yeah, I mean. That's well, pretty wild when you think about it. I mean, he, it's not even like he asked, you know, God, oh, God, forgive me, you know, what do I do? To, I mean, he just... He's just like, wait. You know, and, and it goes back to the thing of which I was thinking about when you were talking about mouth-to-mouth. You know, uh, well, you can say it's got worse in it. But, um, but in that, the reason why... I, one of the reasons why I feel like God holds them so accountable is because because that that was basically what they should have understood was that I mean, he would, when, when when he spoke, he was speaking as God. Yeah. And he, God was speaking through him. Yeah. I mean, he even says it like in the very beginning of Exodus. He says, "Go to the people and let them know, like, <laughs> you are as God to them." Right. You know. Um. There's just, yeah. <laughs> Moses. <laughs> anyway. Uh. Yeah. It's a good. Good observation. Um. Savannah, will you go to Deuteronomy four verses one through ten for me? Yep. And then uh, Noah, will you go to Exodus 19, verses 5 through 6? So, uh, <clears throat> point number one, seek the Lord diligently. That means often, all the time, don't stop. All right? Secondly, share everything with him. Be an open book. Talk to him about the things that you know that he knows about because, well, you need to. That's how relationships are formed. Third, don't defend yourself. Don't be like, God, this is why I did this. This is this is why I did this sin, or you know, this is why I mistreated this person. Just be like, you're right, I did it. I did it. Right? And then when other people come, here's the thing about like leadership. If you are intimate with the Lord and you're truly leading the way that you're supposed to, because again, the whole the whole point of this is not just intimacy, like you need to have intimacy for the sake of intimacy with the Lord. But the main reason why we're bringing all these things up is so that you can see how a leader who is intimate with the Lord leads. All right. And when people come to you and you know that you've done the right thing, that you've done the Lord's will and they start grumbling and complaining about the way that you're leading, don't defend yourself. Let the Lord defend you. Be meek like Moses. Um, Deuteronomy 4 verses 1 through 10. Therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that you may live. And go in and possess the land which the Lord your God of your fathers gives you. You will not add unto the word which I command you, neither will you diminish it from it. But you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peol. <laughs> you know how to pronounce that? Baal Peor. That's how I said it earlier. Sure. For all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them for, from among you. But you that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded you, commanded me that you should do so in the land whither you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations which shall hear all these statutes, and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great, who, who hath God so nigh, nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? <coughs> and what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law, which I set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself, and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of thy life. But teach them 
to your sons and to your sons' sons, especially the day that you have stood before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. Awesome. Exodus 19, verses 5 through 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So, number four, when it comes to being intimate with the Lord, be obedient. This doesn't just mean that you... <laughs> stick to 613 laws and commandments and that's it it means that you actually have a relationship with him as a person and you listen to his voice too Moses was not supposed to be the exception uh, when it comes to all of Israel as a, as a, as a country as, as a people Moses was the exception because they were scared to talk with him face to face. But he was never supposed to be that exception. It was always supposed to be intimate and personal. That's why when Jesus died to give us the Holy Spirit, he sent the Holy Spirit to us, we now have the ability to have that personal, intimate relationship with him in a way that Israel never, never could. Um, I like the way that Paul says it when he's talking about the law in 2 Corinthians, he says that we're not meant to follow the letter of the law because the letter of the law brings death. We're meant to follow the spirit of the law for the spirit of the law brings life. And so the law is not something in our lives as Christians that should be null and void. However, we need the spirit, the Holy Spirit, to help us interpret and see the law the way that God intended for it to be seen and followed. All right. Um, number five. Uh, be obedient. Sorry. Number five. Let's look at numbers twenty. I'm gonna look at verses um, one through thirteen. So yeah, Numbers 20, verses 1 through 13. Want to read that for me? Sure. All right, go for it. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Sin in the first place, when the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up this assembly of the Lord in this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod before the Lord as he commanded them. And 
Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring the water for you out of this rock? And then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because he did not believe them, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. Alright, so this set of verses also brings up the fact that, like, hey, be obedient, because because of Moses' disobedience, he didn't get to enter into the promised land. Alright? You could preach an entirely whole different sermon on that alone. However, I actually bring this up because I want you guys to see that despite Moses being the meekest man in all of the earth, he still had his faults and he still failed. Um, and I bring that up because I want you guys to see that you shouldn't let your fear of failure or what others say about you keep you from intimacy with the Lord. Because even though it doesn't say it directly, I think I think one of the reasons why Moses didn't actually speak to the rock like he was supposed to, one, I think he was finally just fed up with Israel. Um, at this point, he's getting pretty old. He's tired of their grumbling and complaining. They've been in the desert for a long time. But I think the other thing, too, is that people had spoke against him enough I think he was scared of what they were saying. Um, just because the enemy is really sneaky. He's very sneaky like that. Um, but one thing that I want you guys to remember, we read this a little while ago in, in Deuteronomy 34. I think it's verses 5 through 6. Despite Moses' failure in this one moment, didn't get to see the promised land in the physical, but... What's crazy is that he got to see Jesus transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. And some theologians believe that one of the two witnesses that God sends in the book of Revelation at the end is going to be Moses. And so he'll get to see it again, potentially. Not only that, but despite this failure, God still looked at Moses' life as a success. So much so that he came down and chose to bury Moses himself. Which, again, Moses' life is just completely bonkers to me because you don't see this out of anybody else, anywhere else in the Bible. So, the number five, the thing that I want that I want to encourage you guys with is like when it comes to intimacy. Don't let your failures, your fear of failures, or what other people assume your failures are define the way that you are intimate with the Lord. Because despite this failure on Moses' behalf, he did not stop communing with the Lord and going to the tent of meeting. He did not forsake that secret place. And nowhere does it ever say that his face stopped shining when he went to meet with him. I think that's a big deal. The last point that I don't have scripture references for because they're all over the place. When it comes to leadership 
and, and, and leading from a place of intimacy with the Lord is despite the fact that I said, hey, don't be scared of people's opinions and let God defend you earlier, that doesn't mean that you do life alone. So my sixth point is, don't do life alone. If you're going to be a leader, Moses had his father-in-law Jethro, who was a leader, come to him and say, hey, get yourself more leaders. Seventy more, in fact. Let's make sure they're taken care of. Right? Um, not only that, but he had his wife, who very clearly held him accountable because she kept him from dying. <laughs> and I can only assume that if she was that bold, that she kept that boldness as they went about. Uh, and he had Aaron, and he had his sister Miriam, despite her weaknesses in the long run. Um, so much so, so much so that he had Miriam in his life, speaking into his life, and I think encouraging him, because there are some parts of the story with her in it that she's singing and dancing before the Lord that they mention her dying and where she's buried and they the Bible doesn't just do that for anybody so I do think that she had other key parts in his life besides the fact that she complained and got leprosy um, so just to go back over this six six ways to help you build that diligent, intimate relationship with the Lord. Consistent. Consistency. Seek Him in everything. Right? That's number one. Be diligent in seeking Him in everything. Number two is share everything with Him as you're seeking Him. Don't hide anything. Please don't hide anything. Number three. Don't defend yourself. Let God defend you. Four. Be obedient. Number five, don't let your failures, your fear of failure, or what other people assume that your failures are, keep you from intimacy. And number six, don't do life alone. And that's how you lead from intimacy. It's just being consistent in those areas. Because it's clear, too, that because of Moses' intimacy with the Lord, he also had a special kind of intimacy with his brother Aaron, too. You see that all throughout Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy they are very close as brothers so that is what I have I hope you guys got something out of it I could talk about Moses all day I'm sorry if some of it sounded jumbled and random and weird as much as I want to be able to explain some of these things that happen from a more intellectual standpoint uh, I didn't necessarily feel that into that I felt like tonight the teaching wasn't supposed to be about being able to explain everything away because mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like being able to explain everything away keeps us from intimacy in the sense that it keeps us from having that awestruck wonder of who God is and I'm not against explaining things I'm not against intellectualism anybody that knows me knows that like I love to talk theology, like very intellectually. Um, but there's also a time and place for the wonder and the mystery of who God is and how he does things. And sometimes we need to let that wonder and mystery overtake us in order to take us further and deeper 
to the heart of God in order to understand his character. Um, because it causes us to ask questions. It causes us to actually go to him and not just be satisfied with uh, being able to explain everything all the time. Um, so, and again, I, I don't say that in order to like shoot down being able to explain things. Like, I love being able to explain things and talk about the Bible and like get jacked up on like talking theology. But I also like there's there's a there's a, there's such a place. I wish I could communicate how I feel about this in a better way. But there's there's such a place, a special place for the wonder and the curiosity and the mystery of intimacy and the best uh, the best way that I that I can like talk about this is that like Kate Kate and I have been together for almost seven years now we've been married for three going on four now and like I can't just think that I know everything about her all the time because the moment I start doing that is the moment I stop pursuing her the way that she deserves to be pursued. Because she deserves to be pursued consistent, consistently. Um, because she's constantly growing. She's constantly be, becoming a new person in sanctification. And so like, there's always going to be, on this side of eternity, a mystery and a wonder about her that should ignite my heart to pursue her more deeply and more intimately. And more than anything, that's what I want to convey to you guys tonight is, is, is to, is there needs to be a balance between us talking about things um, and being able to explain everything, but also embracing that, that wonder and that mystery of who God is as a person. Does that make sense? I hope I'm explaining that the right way. Like, um, so I'm going to pray, and then if you guys have questions, comments, or concerns, we can do that. If not, then let's just hang out and chillax and stuff, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what time it is, but I'm just rambling at this point, so I'm just going to pray, and we're going to be done. So, um, Dad, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for Moses. He is a prophet unlike any other prophet that you've ever raised up that you spoke to him face to face and mouth to mouth that you <laughs> defended him in so many crazy ways because he is the meekest person to ever walk the earth outside of your son Jesus um, and I just thank you for that I thank you for what it what can be learned about his life uh, what can be learned about his relationship with you and I just pray that we would be inspired to continue to pursue an even deeper relationship than Moses had with you. Because we don't just talk to you face to face, we talk to you face in face. Like we have the ability to be like even deeper, um, even even more connected to you than Moses did. Um, and so we just thank you again just for his life, for the inspiration of who he is, um, and just for what your word says. Uh, I just pray that we would learn again how to be how to lead from a place of intimacy the way that Moses did because he did everything on complete another reliance on you because he had to. <laughs> um, he, had, he had no other option he didn't want to see that there was any other option and 
yeah dad we just thank you for that we just want to live that in Jesus holy name amen